0: Welcome to the Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, the Cowboys. Today's special is the Cowboys. So you'll be having the Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. Now, here's your head chef. Um... He's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco and his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson.
1: Papa! out!
2: Ed White!
1: Daniel! Julian! What's up, man? What's up? How what what
2: y'all doing, up? man? Hey, man. I'm you know what I'm saying? Playoff
1: time, baby. Feeling
2: great, homie. the time, man. <laughs> it's your
1: boy, at White, aka Trey Blanco. Trade Blockers podcast and grill. We're bringing down the X's and O's of Cowboys football. Got my
3: boys, Daniel Julian with me. Say hello to the people. What do you do, baby? What's up, beautiful people? I guess we're going to start it off with arguably after one of the greatest season finales we ever had in the NFL with, I think, one of the best potential playoff seasons. Let's get it let's get it i'm ready
1: my t- boy julian is very excited but before we get into the show gotta introduce two people Whoa, introduce one person and reintroduce the second person to the show but the <laughs> let's first reintroduce our lovely producer Dion lewis not everybody hello Dr. how you doing man
0: I don't do that, that thing on this one. Man.
2: I'm gonna let, Dan, I'm gonna let go Derek. Derek is hard at work. Do not disturb, him. <laughs> he <laughs> took his, <laughs> <health>. he <can't laughs> <took laughs> his <laughs>
1: headphones of off. He's actually doing his <laughs> other <laughs> job right now, so he can't hear us <laughs> out. But it's all good. Just wave to the people. But they his are lineup
0: <laughs> is crispy in case y'all was wondering. His oh, I know. Yeah, that, that line real show. crispy.
1: <laughs> looking good, looking good. I will say his.
4: You watch our podcast.
1: <laughs> and so I do it for him. I do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> but the other voice you hear. It's the that Thespian Poppy himself. Yes, Terrell. sir. Huff, say hello to the beautiful people. What's happening? Hey, support the arts, baby, because, well, we are the arts. And so you may be wondering why we're so full packed today of people. I'll get to that later. But let's first let's celebrate the fact that the Cowboys ended a very, 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 very good season. Uh, with a win against, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, 51-26. They put up a 50-burger again this season. Not again this season, but, you know, they just tore up the Eagles, you know, as always uh, this year. Good thing for the Cowboys. They went 6-0 in the division. Uh, first time that's been done in a while for the Cowboys, for actually for any by the NFL. Um, but let's get over the stats real quick. Gardner Miss you through for uh, 19, 19 completions, 186 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Kenneth Gainwell ran the ball 12 times for 78 yards and one touchdown. Uh Jason Huntley, uh 13 carries, 51 yards. Quez Watkins, five receptions, 84 yards, one touchdown. Tyree Jackson, three receptions, 22 yards, one touchdown. And then Devontae Smith, he broke the franchise rookie franchise record for the Philadelphia Eagles this game at uh set for reception yards. I'm sorry, he, with his three receptions and 41 yards added onto his rookie season so before we get into details of, the, of this of this stat game um Dak prescott broke a career record and a franchise record or broke his personal record and a um franchise record this game and he uh he broke the all time the most passing touchdowns for the cowboys but with 37 touchdowns for the entire year and he also finally, he not finally, but he threw five five touchdowns in a single game, which is a whole own personal record for himself. Again, so Dak Prescott, 21 completions, 295 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Zeke Elliott, 18 carries, 87 yards. Uh, he also broke, he actually broke 1,000 1, yards rushing this year, well, this game. Corey Clement, seven carries, 58 yards. Jaquan Hardy. Three carries, 26 yards, and one touchdown. And Edo Smith, one carry, four yards, and a touchdown. Um, Cedric Wilson had a day. Five receptions, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper, five for 79 yards. CD Lamb, two for 45. Corey Clement, four for 22 and one touchdown. And then Dalton Schultz, 321 and two touchdowns himself. Um, the interception got grabbed by LVE, Leiden Vander. She also ended the game with six tackles total. Uh, Kevin Joseph had nine. Let's see, Demarcus and almost pick and uh, a yeah. second again yeah. another second. I, pick. I told you,
2: man. That's why I was on my one of my, my partial negatives, man. Or <laughs> was a nitpick? I don't know about nitpick anymore. Now I might be actual negative. Now I knew. How so, a tram, right? bro.
1: <laughs> when I saw it happen, I was like, oh man. And <laughs> I, I, I was like, I told you, as I told you. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one you definitely should have caught on that one <laughs> because uh, it actually led to um uh, Devontae Smith. Actually breaking the record off of the tip pass. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually set up Devontae Smith pretty well. Um, I did. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence had a sack. Terrell Basham had a sack. Uh, Tristan Hill and Doris Armstrong each shared half a sack. And that's the stats for the game. Fifty-one to twenty-six. The Cowboys end the season with a twelve and five record. Number three in the NFC conference, um, giving them the first uh, wild game at home um against us 49ers we'll talk about the matchup a little bit later uh but you know we had our beginning season our little what we call premium our hot our hot stakes you know we had some hot takes on the overall the season yeah and so um julian you had uh cd lamb going for 1200 yards as a total correct am i
3: correct you are correct
2: yeah, I close, it, man. Yeah, by pretty
3: freaking close. <laughs> yards by 98 yards. I'm so mad about it.
2: So, he mad. really
0: only, he, the only reason he didn't hit that number is because they had so many weapons. I mean, let's be clear. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think if, if you're running him and Cooper out there and you really don't have a clear cut number three, um, you know, with, I know Gallup was in and out of the lineup, but I mean, if you don't really have any other legitimate weapons on that team, um, you know he's probably getting that twelve hundred and then. so you
3: know he may have been closer to fifteen. Fifteen. I would um, assume that if he didn't have any other weapons, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that was
0: really that. That was just it's the problem that you like to have if if you're any coach is any coach, you know basically. you've got a guy that could probably dominate the league numbers wise. Um, you know, if you didn't have other guys, you know, that could step up at any moment. So you know, it's it's an embarrassment of riches in regards to that um when it comes to the cowboys so that's that's not a surprise but i don't think i don't think anyone looks at those numbers for him and says you know that he's not somebody they have to be concerned
1: with i don't think i don't
0: think anybody looks at, <laughs> at cd Lamb and
1: makes that assumption i think Is, pretty, and, yeah yeah and he, he still he's still broke for, for a thousand over a thousand yards receiving And so mm-hmm. that's back to back oh I think it's back to back. Make correct, almost back to back, because like he been he missing it out. He got to
3: nine sixty five last year, mm-hmm. and
1: he's trending up. To
3: right? He's, he's trending up. Definitely he's
1: definitely trending up. up. Beautiful. Yeah. So, down. so the next one is Daniels, who had Randy Gregory Randy, going baby. for double digit sacks. Yeah. Now, Randy Gregory played so hard, you know, and he <laughs> tried so, he gave so close <laughs> Like he really did look like he was going to get it early on in the season.
2: All it, he, was, it, it, was, it was two things, Ed. It was two things. First, that I think was the calf injury he had or that injury that yeah, came up like for missed four games. Weeks? He
1: missed like three mm-hmm. weeks for that.
2: But really, the, the number one thing was Michael Parsons. My, yeah. We didn't know, Mike Parsons gonna we didn't like know Michael Mom Parsons was going to be like Mom Miller 2.0 out here. Me, I don't Mom think
4: anybody expected that, Now,
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: what we're <laughs> saying, <laughs> to all that. No, he did. Randy Gregor, he like he dominated early on in the season. They got hurt. And then Michael Parsons decided to be the best NFL rookie uh, of all time. <laughs> like, in, in yeah. my eyes. For a while, like actually quite a
0: yeah, bit yeah. yeah but he's he but Gregory's a guy that you can see end up getting five six sacks during the playoffs if they go deep oh yeah um he, he's got double digit sack talent let's be clear he's obviously had some other issues in his career and that's that's been noted I don't think we need to rehash that but at the same time he's still on the team because he's got double digit sack yeah, right. talent and oh yeah sometimes that's sometimes that's a necessary thing when you look at the playoffs and things like that, so like I said, if, if they are somehow able to get past my Niners and they go deep into the playoffs, um, there's no reason to think that dude couldn't have four, five, six sacks, in, you know, in a in a two or three game playoff run because he's got that kind of talent.
1: Uh, you definitely see the effects of Randy Gregory on the quarterback without even getting a sack out there. But, yeah, Micah Parsons did his thing this season as well. So, Daniel's take was incorrect. But he came close. Six sacks. Six six, or six and a half, actually. So, yeah. He came close. Came, came close. Um, and then mine, where the Cowboys would be uh, number one or two. Offense and then a top five defense. It sounded so, crazy
2: at the time. This <laughs> sounds very <crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a, I was like you got pulled the girl for that. I was like,
1: what I, is wrong with you, I definitely got I definitely got drilled for it, but you know, the Cowboys they ended up being number two offense, number two offense, but they ranked number seven defense, and so missed so, it by well, let's be clear though. That
0: that number they're number two against the pass, I think, and they're number 16 against the run. So let's so, be
1: clear. If that's not as far. That's
0: yeah. not as far off as you would expect. That's far. Um, not as you know, far. when you when you think about that, because it a lot of close. people are trying to keep it. Yeah, teams are trying to keep their offense off the people, oh, and yeah. that means they're going to run. Um, and so that is something that you tend to see with explosive offensive teams is that other teams can have some success with the run at least early on in the game. Um, because their goal is to try to keep that offense off the field. So that, it's not uncommon for you to see a middle-of-the-pack defense on a team that has an explosive offense.
1: Yeah, um, And I, and I didn't do deep dig, digging into it. Like, I, I don't know if, if, if our ones would have played against the Eagles
3: and would have made big of a difference. I'm not sure hmm. of that. But, you know, it could well, well, have made it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> fraction but, fraction let of let a point here and there. Let me ask this question because I, I had a hot take, but I didn't really use it as a hot take earlier in the season. Where's the rushing defense? Where's the rushing defense for the Cowboys? What what 16. They? 16. Damn it. I think there's a I mean, but, I don't know. But
1: we, we talked about this. Me and Dana talked about this earlier, how that stat is skewed, like yeah. only because teams are playing from behind when they play against the Cowboys. When they
3: play the Cowboys, yes. So
1: when the teams are playing ahead, like we saw against the Denver Broncos, uh, mainly against the different Broncos and a little bit against the Raiders too. Not much against the Chiefs because they're still a passing team, but a little right. bit against the, Ra- the Raiders. It's still a little bit in the – like teams can run the ball on this, and this is kind of going to get up until people for the matchup. Uh, if, if a team has a decent – like, pretty good running back with a pretty good offensive line – we could get eight on the line because teams did average, carriers did average at least five yards to carry on. Guess, okay, yeah. as, and as I'm sure we'll get into, into it later, season.
0: but that's, that's honestly the the only chance I feel like the Niners really have in this game <laughs> this weekend. So,
1: yeah. So, I mean, so overall, not too bad on our hot takes or our hot stakes. And so we all came pretty close. And again, there's not much to complain about. If you look at the overall season. The Cowboys is something that has also not been done in the NFL. They had a four thousand passing yard quarterback, a thousand rushing running back, a thousand receiving uh, receiver, a double digit sack leader, <laughs> and a double digit inter- double digit interception player in uh, Trayvon Diggs. And so, that's that's mid nineties stuff right there, man. That's mid nineties
0: Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson mm, stuff right
1: there.
3: That's see, that's what that see, is. See. Terrell know what he's doing. He's trying to hype hide- me Man, yeah. come on,
0: man! I, <laughs> come on. Yeah, y'all forget. I turned I turn forty six on Monday. Y'all don't understand. Like I was I was telling a dude on Twitter, uh, one of the radio guys, and I was telling him because uh, he was talking about like the last time the two teams played in the playoffs, and you know he was and he's a young dude. He's like in his you know early mid twenties, and I was and he was just talking about like he was kicking out all these stats, and I was laughing because I was like, bro, I was in basic training during the nfc championship game when the niners beat them 38 to 28 um and and i remember seeing parts of that game at like the commissary on lackland because that was the only place we could go like outside of you know because we were in basic training so so Mm -hmm. they was at a point in basic training where that was the only place we could really go without any supervision and then um the super bowl like literally like five days before we got done with basic training the super bowl happened against san diego so, like, I got to see the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl, and I only got to see parts of it because I was in basic training at the time. And so I'm explaining that to these dudes, and they're just like, you know, because, you know, somebody started kicking out stats, and it's like, you know the old head got to come in there and be like, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I was there. <laughs> I was watching it live. You weren't even born yet, boy. <laughs> like, yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy, but when you talk about the 1,000 yards, the 4,000 yards, and the 1,000 the 1, yards rushing, When you talk about that, that is legit mid nineties numbers. That's Michael Irvin. That's, that's Emmitt Smith. That's, you know, Troy Aikman. I know Troy Aikman wasn't known for a ton of yardage, but just from a, from a standpoint of their level that they were at 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 their individual positions, that's what you had back then. So to see that again now and, you know, some of the similarities, I think, um, you know, um, Dak is a, is a little more like – he's a little bit – he's obviously I, – I feel like he's actually probably a better thrower than Troy Aikman was. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean he's about he's, – he's just as accurate because that was Troy Aikman's thing. It was accuracy. It was, it was being able to put the ball where it had to go. A lot of people just felt like he threw it up and Alvin Harper would jump up and go get him. <laughs> he threw it in, in, in a range where Michael Urban was. But that wasn't necessarily the case. If you really go back and you really get a chance to see some of them games from the mid-90s, that dude knew where the ball had to be. So many times it was throwing the ball to a spot because you just had to say, I know Mike is going to be there. I know Alvin's going to go up and get it. So it was throwing a ball to a spot and he was great at that. And you see similarities of that now with Dak. Although I feel like Dak is, is a better arm talent as far as he can throw for more yards. He's just as accurate. And you could even say that he, you could even say that he's, he's got the talent that he's got at the receiver rivals. What for sure, what um, Troy Aikman had, but, remember the rules are not the same so the you know these the, there's a lot of stuff that corners can't get away with that they could they back then did. there's a lot of stuff that receivers could get away with back then they can't now so it's like it, it's fun to make those comparisons but it is neat to see that you have that similar type of vibe going and what also is interesting to me is is I feel like Pollard is the more explosive guy from a, from a running back standpoint <laughs> than Zeke is right now. It's great to have Zeke to grind it down at the end of games um, because I still feel like he adds that value to the offense. I still feel like he's the guy that can get you four or five yards when you need to have it toward the end of the game if they choose to use him that way. But I feel like when you want that pop play, when you want that big play, that 20, 30, 40-yard run to demoralize the defense, um, Pollard feels like he's that guy to me. Um, and so, yeah, man, uh, I feel like they have a lot of similarities to those mid 90s teams, man. They look really, really good. Terrell, the
1: hidden Cowboy fan. <laughs>
2: Come on, man. Real NFL historian, sir.
0: <laughs> That's what happens, dude, when you, when, you didn't, when you didn't gotten to the point where, like, I mean, man, my first game I ever saw was, was the Super Bowl, against, the first Super Bowl against the Bengals. That's my first that's my first Super Bowl I ever saw with the Niners. so you got to understand dude like I remember when these dudes had one bar across their helmets and I thought that was like wow you know and the helmets looked like they was just came off of the bumper of a, like, of, a,
1: of a of a You had two, the leather, of a you had the leather helmet Z, like, like. <laughs> another helmet age <aid>, man <laughs> like, when they helmet
0: looked like the helmet we got for Christmas like, yeah that's what they helmet look like like
4: they
1: had a little helmet with
0: no pads the like, they don't, the don't do, do anything like bro, like <laughs> yeah dude
2: this I remember the all doom,
0: that stuff, bro. Like, dude was walking around out there with concussions. Like, you could tell they was concussed. It didn't matter. It yeah. didn't like, matter. Just man. smoking That's... cigarettes on the
1: sideline. I'm telling you, dude. i go back, Smelling bro. salts. Drinking beers, and
4: cigarettes.
1: And as – Terrell kind of gave a decent – very good transition into it as we <laughs> just – uh, like, remember football and just kind of celebrate football as a whole. This past week of football has really been the, probably one of the best overall weeks of football that I've seen in my lifetime in a very, um, long, in, in a very long, like, tr- like uh, Julian said, in a very long time, all were divisional matches and all were like, I'm glad I had NFL red zone because that's the only way I was able to even keep that <laughs> <box>. <laughs> yeah. all of them were able like edge of your seat type of games. And we talk about uh, two, three overtime games. If I'm real off the top of my head correctly, um, all of which were playoff implication and overtime mm-hmm. games. Yeah, then, then teams who are that only had to win to get in, but lost to a team with the number one overall pick in the next year's NFL draft. Yeah, you know, and so like, and that team that I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts, who have the best running back this currently this year in John, Jonathan Taylor, and not named this, Derrick Henry, <laughs> just <laughs> right. not named Derrick, not Let's named be Derrick clear. Henry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. That's yeah, Henry was on his way to about 2,300 yards, bro. Oh, for real. Know,
3: it made sense. That's, that's, it's that's, very that's, fair. If he didn't did get injured, that would have been 2,300 yards. But hey, proceed.
0: Hey, hey, that's availability that's, is injuries have ability happened. and
3: availability. I yeah. get
1: you. That's what yeah. I yeah. said. It's very true. Like, you know, King Henry was on a on another on another Damn. level. But uh his prince, John the Taylor, took over the crown pretty well <laughs> uh, this season. So um I just and I just want to t- get y'all's opinion. Like I just want, we'll just have a quick conversation about the week 18 as a whole, like Terrell, you know, your team got in based off of it as well. Uh, but as 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 cowboy faithful, you know, the Julian and Daniel, who were just able to sit back and just Watch these games and watch these things unfold. Like, what were y'all's takes from this week? Like,
3: where how's y'all take from this? I never had, and unfortunately, I'm a little younger on this side of the, of the podcasting team and just okay. sports in general. Um, okay. <laughs> out of my I want to say 15 years, 16 now, because I started watching Cowboys football since 2006, religiously, might I add. Um, Watching it religiously, I will have to say this is arguably one of the best matchup weeks I've ever saw in like almost 15, 16 years. Um, Just watching, specifically, more importantly, I'm going to say like watching Pitt in the Ravens game was like literally one of the most funny, not funniest, but one of the most interesting matchups watching that entire game. Because you could see they're you know, fighting back and forth for whatever reason that may be. And it just looked so good just watching a defensive game it reminded me of and i i it's kind of wrong i don't think it's wrong for me to say this but it kind of reminded me of like super bowl 42 like we had mm-hmm. three potential super bowl 42 games and i was just like wow this is yeah fucking awesome and i i mm-hmm. enjoyed every moment of them and yeah and specifically the series season finale that was the sunday night with um with the raiders and the chargers i just i was literally i was literally thought Wow, there is no way, there is no way this improbable thing could happen where literally Chris Collinsworth called them out and was like, they could just end this game with a tie. And literally, it just, it literally felt like it was going to end with a tie until the Chargers had to fumble the bag. Literally right. had to fumble the bag with five <laughs> seconds left in the game. I don't get it. But like, all in all, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this week 18. I, I enjoyed every moment of it. I, I wish we had more football like this. This is exactly why I love playoff contention because you, you never know what you're going to get. And I, I loved it. I, that's all I'm going to say right now. I love
2: it. Yeah. For me, I think this last week was so crazy um, because of like so many different like injuries, COVID. Um, and also the fact that there aren't, there actually isn't really one just dominant team I think going to the playoffs for this year, which is kind of something that we don't see too often, or even yeah. like, just, like a couple maybe, but um, for this year, it's kind of it almost seems wide open on both sides. And because of that, you kind of saw that, you know, even in these much win games, pretty much anybody can get beat by anybody. You know, we have, again, the Colts were red hot. You know, they couldn't be stopped. And they up and lay an egg at at the last second. You know, Carson Wentz turns back into Carson Wentz. Oh, you know, clock strike midnight, Carson Wentz, here you are type of thing, you know. Uh, Carson, And also, <laughs> also, I think because <laughs> there is so much drama, I think, going into this as well. So we have, you know, Big Ben potentially playing his very last Wild game as a Steeler. But know, so he still keeps going on. We have the Antonio Brown fiasco. We have these coaches trying to coach for their lives, you know, all this kind of stuff going on. And then we also sprinkle in like some of the like young up and coming quarterbacks. They're trying, trying to blossom into themselves, yeah. but not really get, really get over the hump just yet. So it's like a good mix of all this crazy stuff going on all at once. That we've seen before, but usually not, not all at the exact same time culminating in people trying to beat each other to get somewhere. Um, so I think for that is why I kind of just showed up in all these games is like, OK, well, yeah, pretty much any team could get beat. So I think as Cowboys been watching, we're like, OK, well, our Eagles game wasn't meaningless because if people also lose next week or this week as well, you know, we could move up. And lo and behold, two of the three actually lost. And we're like, yeah, we, we knew there was a good chance because of how these teams have been playing, because of COVID, because of the injuries and frankly, because they got beat before during the season. Yeah. Um, so I think we were all hopeful going into that week that, yeah, if we win our game, there's a very good chance the other teams are going to lose. And it played out exactly like that. So great way to end it. And I think the puzzle's is going to be even better just because of, like I said, just so much parody right now.
3: And can, I, can we just really quick, just as a season finale, I just want to say really quick about Black Monday. Can we all agree? Oh, hold on, hold on, one, on, hold on, no, no, not yet. I'm going into that next. <laughs> like, wait, no, it's only one thing. It's only okay. one thing. All right, no. all right, go, ahead. go it's, ahead. It's about a team that I really don't think it should have been a part of Black Monday, but they're stupid as hell for doing it. Yeah. Stupid as hell. That's that's part It's probably it's like main thing, bro. That's right, bro. <laughs> just wait,
4: just wait. Let's, wait. let's get okay.
1: to
3: it. I'm sick. already, I'm already with. Let's you. get to like, I, I like, I had I a feeling wish. so.
1: <laughs> So I had a feeling, I'm already like with you, I've had a feeling this was going to happen. And I was like, ah, this could be. To, we we could go on the, we could do this grill as it like, and I was like, ah, let's go we can no, see how the no, show It's a grill. It's a grill. Let's go with the production. This kind of see how it goes, <laughs> and then see how it. But uh, like we're going into it. So Terrell, if you don't, this is where we get into the weekend. That the week take speaking for sports part. Of the show, since Terrell is here, let's uh, have Terrell's first take. I'm not gonna do the sponsor dance, so don't worry about it. So let's have Terrell's first. I'm take. Ready, man. Let
2: me. Oh, I mean, I don't know if
1: Dr is gonna allow me to do it, but since he ain't talking,
2: are oh, you right? We're gonna different, do different, it. Sponsors. Yeah, 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 <laughs> different sponsors. So,
1: since since Julian kind of let it up that way, let's have it Terrell's first take on Black Monday. Go ahead, Terrell. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, as
0: much as, you know, I think Black Monday is, is going to happen every single year, there's not too much you could do about it. But I will say this. There is only one instance in Black Monday this year that had me scratching my head. I don't care whether or not your head coach and your GM get along. I don't care whether or not your quarterback and your head coach get along especially when your quarterback is middling at best. But Brian Flores, okay, um,
2: are you out of your mind,
3: Miami?
0: All <laughs> oh, the firings made sense to me. I'm like, right, I'm a little bit on the fence in regards to Fangio because he's a former 49er defensive coordinator. I'm a little bit on the fence about Fangio because – I kind of understand why they fired him. But at the same time, your problems are a lot more than Fangio. But the floor is firing. Completely blew my mind. I do not understand. You fire a guy with, again, said milling quarterback. play that team to an eight-game win streak in the middle of the season. This man was showing a level of leadership that you had not seen in Miami since, like Jimmy Johnson. And you let this man go. Understand something? I be a petty person when I'd like to be. If I'm feeling petty, and if I had anything to say about it, if I'm if I'm Flores, I would take my butt right back to New England, and I would say, "Give me a season." <laughs> Let me do my thing. You already know what I bring to the table. All right? You already saw what I could do as a head coach. I just need a season. Because I'm telling you right now, if somebody doesn't snatch that dude up, I don't care if he goes to Denver, I don't care if he goes to New York. Part of me doesn't, I'd say I don't care, but part of me does care because I don't want him to him to be ruined because I'm telling you he is one of the better coaches out there and pretty much I think he could he could I think he could pretty much win with just about any team out there that has a vacancy, but that right there in Miami is literally the only thing in my take. I got a harp on because that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You can go out and you can get another GM. You got good GMs all around the league that probably if you threw enough money at them, would love to come to Miami. You can go out and you can grab that are out there probably are going to their miami's probably going to be on their list because miami was a nice looking destination if you are trying to get somewhere as a as a veteran free agent and you're trying to go somewhere where you can make a difference whether it's in, in in a in a underrated secondary whether it's on a defensive line that's really kind of void of any real stars whether it's at running back you got so many – I mean, let's remember, Saquon Barkley, people were trying to figure out whether or not Saquon, Saquon Barkley is going to work out in New York. So you see a guy like that. I see free agents, and I see players. Jimmy Garoppolo. As much as I dig Jimmy, I'm pretty much sure whenever they lose finally, it's going to be his last game with the 49ers. So I see a guy like that. Don't you think he'd love to come back to the uh, AFC East? I see all this stuff happening. And I'm saying to myself, you got – The one part of it that you don't need to worry about. You decide to let that man go. You run that man up out of there after he probably gave you a better season than you deserved. Get out of my face with that. All the firings I'm like, eh, I can reconcile with. But that right there made absolutely no sense to me. That man was literally on the cusp of turning that team into a winner. Remember, they barely missed the playoffs. I mean, this is a man that we watched out coach. You know, even though that New Orleans Saints team a few weeks ago was depleted, and and they had a lot of injuries, uh, injuries, we watched that man out coach, Sean Payton. We you know the chops are there. You don't get the coach with Belichick if you don't know what you're doing. Just like you don't, just like you don't get the coach alongside Greg Popovich if you don't know what you're doing.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Go ask Becky Hammond, who's probably going to own half of Las Vegas by the time she's done. <laughs> Go ask uh, 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 um, my man up in uh, Milwaukee that just got a chip this past year.
2: Coach Bud. Coach Bud. Go
0: ask Coach Bud. Go ask all these coaches. You don't come off of a tree like that without knowing what you're doing. And if you're Miami in the same daggone division. Let that man go when you know he has that pedigree. That was garbage, garbage. That's really the main thing I was concerned with. All these other firings, nobody care, Man, Nagy was trash. The cat up there, in, the cat up there in New York, um, judge Harris. or whatever, he was yeah. trash. Okay, here we go, trash. <laughs> trash. Okay, again, Fangio basically was about the only other guy that I would probably make an argument for. Probably shouldn't have got should have got another year, but Flores was legacy. You could have had four, four uh, you could have had floors there for 20 years and you probably get a ring
1: or two out of it. That's how good that dude was. Garbage, man. So what? Oh I got? That is Terrell's first take here for the first time on Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. That's and so <laughs> and what and I would be the DR now, and what Terrell's <laughs> talking about is the firing <laughs> of Brian Flores, along with the other firings of Matt, uh, Matt Nagy from uh, the Chicago Bears, Joe Judge from the New York Giants, uh, Brian, uh, Mike Zimmer from Minnesota Mike Vikings, uh, Vic Vangio from the uh, Denver Broncos, and I know about Urban Myers, been fired from the Jaguars earlier on in the season. Um, so that's happened on Black Monday. And where I know where everyone's really most concerned about was the Brian Flores firing. And um, Julian, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Get in on it.
3: Terrell couldn't say it better. And I guess I just don't want to harp too much on it, but I'm I'm hot, right? Because again, as Terrell just mentioned, you aren't arguably if this was 10 years down the line, I would understand because the AFC East was I considered mediocre, right? 10 years down the line, we all knew, all right, Patriots is winning this division. All right, who's next? Right? We could assume that, right? In the last three years. Last three years, the Bills have decided to just show up and show up, and they have been showing that they've been that team for the last couple of years, right? And granted, Miami had a better record that they led last year than they did this year, but hmm. Oh, so our starting quarterback, who is in his second year, who really didn't start really that much last season, but he's still reeling with some injuries. had a had a bad thumb. was was going through the rains, and our offense didn't really look that good in the beginning of the season. Our defense kind of didn't wasn't. Really mashing up well. We didn't have that much chemistry we had during this defense. So yes, we were kind of we, we were crap. We were crap. is saying like we were crap in the beginning of the season. And for you to go zero and eight, being the laughing stock of the NFL in the beginning of the, in the middle of the season, to literally taking the Patriots out of division contention and taking them from being potentially a fifth or sixth seed down to seventh seed by that and not only that, you outcoach Belichick. Like Terrell said, you outcoach Payton, and you mean to tell me you fired this guy? He didn't even have all his weapons. Like Vic, like I, I can kind of understand where Vic is with the Colts. The Colts has some kind of like arguably had the second best rusher in the NFL. Again, I think Derek is number one, but besides the point, like you, you didn't have all your weapons. I don't understand why Vic got fought but there's a lot of chemistry problems. I get it, I get it, and like Terrell said. You're like maybe a year, two years from being a contender. Like the AFC East was going to be a contender next year. Like you could have said any of those three teams could have been somebody. You'd be like, damn, I don't know who's going to win this division next year. They have, they would, they all they needed was maybe two more pieces. That's all you needed. And like Terrell said, just get you a GM that could literally go in the offseason, fight their way to getting you those pieces, bro. Eleven. Eleven win season. I would have guaranteed you an eleven year season next year. Two years tops. They're winning some playoff games, but but you fired him when literally you had the chips stacked against you, and he came out and said, "Hey, I made lemons out of lemon. I mean, lemonade out of like sour lemons. Like, how can you? How like Miami? How I I I, and you fired him before New York fired Judge. What? out of here get out of here Miami like if y'all go five and five and twelve next year that is your problem like you <laughs> lost the biggest thing for you to be a good contender next year this dude was coaching his ass off and his yeah. team believed in him and they were replacing so...
0: him
3: with thank you who who out there could do what he did who who coach please tell me what y'all know that I don't. I really want to know like as much as I, I love Kellen Moore, like Kellen Moore can't do that. No. Nobody on <laughs> the NFL can do what he just did. Like nobody. But all right, cool, Miami. Miami. All right, Miami. I'll see you at the bottom of the uh, barrel next year. I'll see you. I mark my words. They're going five and twelve next year. They're not get they're not gonna have uh, a winning record next year. I'm I that that was
2: dumb. That was stupid. <laughs> stupid.
3: I
1: respect you. Hey, Daniel, go ahead and get on it.
2: So and this is said actually a few times I think on Twitter and such uh I was going to repeat it here. You kind of know you made a mistake when it comes to firing a coach when once you fire him he becomes like the number one prospect for all the other open jobs out there. Like, he jumped to the top of everybody's board Thank about, you. "Oh, he's free. Oh my god. Like Thank maybe I should you. actually fire my current coach to pick <laughs> him up." What? Right. Like, it, was no, no, that's yes, it was universal where everybody happened. Yes, it was universal. Everybody was like, "Wait, what? what? After okay. what he did? He beat the Patriots like four times?" And he went on what a eight seven eight game winning streak with Tua and all those injuries. What in the world? I think that I think there's already a coach. In my opinion, I think
0: there's already one of them coaches that has been fired. And I think you know if you look at any firing that happened after Flores got fired, mm-hmm. there's a really good chance that somebody saw that firing and thought,
1: mm, I, I eat New York. York. I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I eat New York. York. I, I, <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying
3: They said Brian's gone. All right, Joe. Mm-hmm. Bye. Joe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> and then Anzi, looking at this one, I mean, I think outside of the John Gruden firing, this is probably the only one that actually went down because of like non football reasons. I guess you can maybe right. see a bit for Urban Meyer, but you really can't make an argument for anybody else that is not football related about production yeah. on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. And same thing for Brian Flores, like he, the owner said to himself, he's like, Oh, well, he was having some friction with the GM and he wasn't really, you know, he had his, I guess his own thoughts and stuff. And he wasn't really cool to and everything. And it's like, so my thing was, when you hired him, when you interviewed him, did you let him know that what I want is a puppet coach? I don't want you to make right. your own decisions. I want you, I want mm-hmm. to get the players for you and you just coach up my players. Or oh. it seemed like he's under the impression that he would have some input because he's it's his team. It's his yeah. job on the line. It's his livelihood on the line. So, yes, I want to have some input and make good decisions, which he actually did when he actually wanted uh, didn't want to get to in the first place. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, hey, how that played out. So it, well, remember it's, that
0: they had a shot at uh, Herbert.
2: Herbert, yeah. He won a Herbert instead, and they could have gathered him. I think Herbert went the pick right after, I think, too, or something pick like that. Right That's after. Right after. Yeah, so
3: right after.
2: So it's yeah. a strange thing um, for these owners. You know, you think you hire these people to coach your team, to run your team, but when you hire these people, you don't actually listen to them. That seems like bad business to me. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's nothing new in NFL, right? We see it time and time again. This is why some of these bad teams stay bad for so long, and Miami has been a bad team for a very long time. Uh, just because of the front office all the way at the top is where the issue is because you find a way to get these very talented people into your front office and you don't utilize them or take their feedback and opinion. It's like, so what if he didn't like Tua? Maybe he's just not a good quarterback. He sees him every day. I'm not sure the owner sees him every day. Right. Like, is that the end of the world if you don't like Tua? No, there's tons of quarterbacks out there. What's what, what does Tua have on the owner, or why is the owner love Tua so yeah. much that he's like, This has he to do to with some somebody? Yeah. I mean, you have to do it, it with know. him, and it's well, not like is making
1: them any money or anything like that, too. So, it's
2: exactly, like, it's not a marketing <laughs> thing. So. And I, I can see okay, maybe he wasn't down for this, show. I'm watching trade, that's fine. You can say I'm not not for that, but if you want to go a different avenue, that should be fine as well. You should have to believe in your head coach first, it should be from the top down to how this thing works. It's not that the quarterback should have more power than your coach or than your GM, it should be where, you know, the ownership gives the power, empowers his employees, which is the coach and let him do his thing. Because when he's allowed to do his thing, he does very well. He's already shown it on right. the field that, yes, I can do very good things. And actually, I was trending in the right direction. Yes, we had a for bad real. season before, but I'm trending. This is how you want to end the season, with momentum, You yeah. know, with players getting better, with players figuring stuff out. So probably next year, we're going to hit the ground running and probably get to the playoffs finally, and probably finally get to playoff win or something like that. But now, you kind of reset everything. So now you got to bring in a coach that I guess is fine with Tua for maybe two more years, and then they'll up and trade him and get another, another quarterback, or – They'll have the worst record next year, and they'll go draft a quarterback and get rid of Tua anyway. So, at the end of the day, you end up with the same thing—not Tua, most likely, because (laughs) (laughs) that's just how it goes, right? (laughs) If you if you have the worst record in the league, you're probably going to get a quarterback if there's one out there. Right. Yeah. Well, you
0: got the what the with his name Pitt Pittman Pitts, the the kid out of Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah. This Um, year's Pitts, um, I think it's going to be even deeper next year, though, for the draft. No quarterback. There's five or
3: six great quarterbacks coming out next year.
2: Yeah, Yeah. So,
1: I mean. When you look at it overall, like we all agree that the and many the, uh, across, the across the NFL world agrees that the Brian Flores hi- firing was the question mark of Black Monday and the worst decision in the history of Black Monday, probably it'll go down as firing Brian Flores. And like Daniel said, he's already on the top of the list of so many teams looking
3: for a head coach right now. Go ahead, Julia. Only thing I'm gonna say and Derek, if you're hearing, this is all out of love. If I was the Raiders, I would I would take him in a heartbeat. I understand yeah. that you guys already have an interim head coach, that y'all really locking down right now. I wouldn't care, Brian. You did what? Hey, yeah, we got great talent out here. Why won't you come over here? Like I would, if I was Raiders, I would be. I was the Las Vegas Raiders. I'd be taking him in a heartbeat. He gone well,
0: and it tracks because he's an interim coach.
1: I mean, yeah. it'd be one for- thing
0: if there was some stalwart guy that had been there for, you know, like a Gruden. It's right. not like they, you know, they fired Gruden for other reasons. They didn't fire Gruden to get for Like, if, if you're telling me I got to go out and get a guy, and I'm still not 100% on board with the, with the interim uh, coach that, that they have right now. I apologize. I can't remember his last name. But if, you, if you're not 100% sold on that guy, and you know that there's a big splash hiring that you can make with a with a guy that's got a track record like Flores Hell yeah you go after him if you're in Las Vegas. Why would you not um but I feel the same way about other a f c west teams like I said like Denver um so when you look at that you know and and I think of guys like I think about guys like the enemy, you know because the is gonna go through same gauntlet that he goes through every year where uh, where 100 million people say that this dude should have a a head coaching job and then probably going to end up getting passed over Mm -hmm. and the odd part is Brian Flores might actually be the reason at least this offseason that he gets passed over this year Mm -hmm. I think if there's not a Brian Flores on the market and it's not you know not necessarily because the two of them are black head coaches but just generally speaking when you look at Slash hiring that can be made, and the fact that Flores was not on anybody's list of guys to go after this offseason, you all of a sudden have a situation where it's like, what jobs are going to be held open with the anticipation of possibly getting
3: Flores? Getting Flores,
0: yeah. And then you have a situation where a playoff or a playoff head coach, a possible head coach in enemy. Because they're probably there. They got a really good chance to go deep into the playoffs, which means he's still he's going to be out there for a minute, you know. And how many jobs is he not going to be able to put in for or at least not be fully interviewed for? Because I know there are some discussions they can have while they're still playing, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you can have the full out interview. So you look at the fact that Flores is out there and he's ready to be signed by somebody at any point during the offseason. And it's just, you know, it's wild that you, you think about the fact that it, it almost seems like maybe Flores could be hurting the enemy's opportunity uh, to get a, to get a head coaching job just from a standpoint of that job opening up that nobody expected to. Because, you know, now you could look at it another way and say that nobody's really clamoring for some of these other guys. Nobody's clamoring for a Nagy Nobody's clamoring for a judge. Um, Zimmer. Fangio maybe yeah I think Fangio's got an opportunity to, to get another head coaching job I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being at DC somewhere um, you know just because he's comfortable with that um, but yeah man I mean you know it, it, it's the, the Raiders was not actually something I thought about but it actually makes a ton of sense when you start thinking about it um, you Very know true. just because they have an interim coach right now so yeah it's actually yeah I didn't really think about that
1: that's pretty true. Derek, do you want to get in on this? Uh, well, since Julian uh, mentioned the Raiders, or do you want to get in on this? Uh, Brian Flores firing. You yes. want to join the grill yes. as well? Yes.
4: Uh, all I have to yes. say is, it's a travesty to sports <laughs> <laughs> what occurred Talk this this this, this 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 last week, and we, we they the Miami Dolphins should be ashamed, <laughs> ashamed of themselves. So now that being you, said, the Raiders have a coach, and he's a playoff coach, and so we good. All right. Just, I came on here to talk about I came on here to do two things, Ed. Talk about these Raiders making the playoffs and kicking the Chargers on out of the playoffs because that was funny. And I enjoyed it. And I also came on here, as I told you before in the pre-show, to take my lumps because y'all been out here <laughs> producing great content and you've always been messing it up by not getting it to the people. You so ain't you know, been messing it up, bro. So, no, you, no, I've, I've been messing you. they they recorded two shows that did not get edited, Terrell. So, part, uh, definitely say, it on, it. I definitely been messing it up, bro. Just, just put it out there raw,
2: bro. Get the people yeah, what they want, man. <laughs> please, don't, please don't put it out there <laughs> raw, bro. What you doing, man? Oh man, I
1: know I've been. It's what the people want, man? <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah,
4: they don't need <laughs> you know to hear times, any more of my mess ups, man. <laughs> you know how many times an episode Ed stops and says, "Hey, Derek, edit that."
2: That's people love that, Derek. They feel like they're a part of the production. I'll probably say at least three or four times. They play like a drinking game with it, man.
3: Take a um, shot every time. Every time, so, every so, time so. he says, yeah, edit that. We'll see yeah, on, the, edit, on,
1: edit. The, on, the, on the Super Bowl live show. We'll see what happens on that that's one. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's the all that's the first time we had everyone t- jump on the grill, including our guest and our lovely producer, Dion Lewis. But um, thank you guys for saying your opinions and like, like, hey man, the Brian Flores firing was again one of the dumbest decisions Garbage. I've seen, ever seen. NFL, he will definitely be a head coach for. Uh, I think he'll be for, for a contender. Um, and it's definitely gonna make some noise. Um, uh, I if I have to make a prediction now, I would say, you know what, I'm gonna hate it, but only because they fired him right after this man got fired the day after. No, I will after. say it, I no. will say the New York Giants. No. I will say New York Giants, but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of leaning towards more towards Denver Broncos though. But
3: that's what I I was
1: thinking. I would not be surprised if it is going to be the New York Giants, depending on who the GM is. That's going to be key though, depending on who the GM for the New York Giants would be.
2: I don't know, but yeah, because Mara Mara is. Well, another thing to consider though is if no he is bueno. as hot candidate as how the we're talking about, he actually might have his choice of jobs now. Very true. So, just so if say that's it, the I case, mean, would you want to go to the Giants the way that they're set up right now, without a quarterback, with their no. running back potentially, you know, on right. one leg? Not sure if you can come back or not. Very true. Or maybe some like the Bears, where they actually have a young, up and coming quarterback. It might look like a better spot to him, or the Jags. It's a pretty good spot too, I, although the ownership yeah. a bit shaky. I was gonna say so. the
3: ownership is an the the issue there. The yeah. only the only other place, as we just mentioned, I think will be. The smartest decision is the Broncos because really, again, that Broncos team has talent. The yes. only problem is, is they just need glue. Like their issue is, is like in right a quarterback. Guys, They're a quarterback <laughs> away. They, right, feels like. they, they really <laughs> are a quarterback yeah. away. Yeah, and that's it's what I'm there. saying. Like I hate to say this, but like I felt like that they were what the Cowboys were. And I, no offense, love us Cowboys fans, but where we were at the end of like Tony Romo's uh, career, like okay, mm-hmm. we we start looking for somebody to replace. Tony Romo, because I'm not going to lie, but this is kind of looking bad out here. If every season he getting broken up in pieces, we need some pieces, right? And so I feel like all Denver really needs is a quarterback. And they, all they really need to do is work a little bit more on that offensive line. Like Brian, if I was him, I take that. I can go draft me somebody because nobody's really looking for a quarterback yeah. this year. to be. honest, Well, I think them. he's
0: going to need somebody to develop a quarterback for him. I mean, right. uh, you, you mentioned Chicago. And Chicago is intriguing if I'm, if I'm Brian Flores because of Justin Fields. But somebody has to develop Justin Fields because Justin Fields, everything that you need out of, out of a quarterback, a, a modern quarterback, is there. Mobility is there. The arm is there. Um, his decision-making, you know, I mean, it's that of a rookie. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, it wasn't going to be phenomenal. But you could see – you know, sparks of of good decision making when you watch him. Right. When you watch some of his better games, so it's there. Um, but developing that quarterback is where he needs to be able to focus on being the head coach, and he needs to have somebody that can work with fields off to the side, and you know, just on the on the intangibles and the little things here and there that allow his talent to take over and he just, you know, can come out can and, come and, and out take and care coach, of the rest. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do think Chicago's intriguing for Flores. Um, I think Denver, in my opinion, is probably – I think – I feel like Denver is the best fit because they'd be in a position to land a quarterback. I, I feel like Denver is one of those – I guess mean, a little bit hyperbole here – but denver is one of those quarterback methods. you are going to struggle to find any available quarterback on the free agent market that does not consider denver. like nobody's sitting there going hell no I don't want to play in denver. not one quarterback because you know you talk about elway having played there. you talk about um you know you know little goofy things like the thin air, you know at mile high. you talk about <laughs> Um, You know, the fact that they do have talent there uh, at the quarterback at at the receiver position. So you talk about those little things um, and then you're in the AFC West. You get to you get to go out there and and go head to head with a guy like um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, a couple of times a year, Um, you know, and and so it's it's not a bad location. And again, it's a location that quarterbacks, you know, you're not going to be pressed to get a quarterback to come there and play. If you've got a guy like Brian Flores, who I, I would be shocked if there weren't 500 players out there that would, you know, that are like, man, I'd love to play for that guy. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I know the dude's going to land on his feet. But, yeah, that by far stuck out to me as the most shocking thing from yesterday. I was like, y'all got to be out y'all damn mind. Like, y'all were literally this close. Yeah. To just you know taking over the AFC, uh, taking over the AFC East, and then you just decide, nah,
1: we good, we good, we good, we you <laughs> know, we good, we, we keep, keep the movie. movie. Hey, some signs success, success fears people, and so I think that's of what happened with Miami. They got afraid of, this yeah. of their own success, and so as we now get into the meat the what everyone really wanted <laughs> is this matchup against uh, the most heralded rivalry not the most heralded probably but one of the uh, no, most probably, historic maybe, ro- sure. <laughs> maybe one of the most <laughs> historic rivalries between the 49ers and the and the Cowboys um it's a matchup that i for one did not want to be honest with you <laughs> so only 100%. because only because of the way the 49ers play i didn't, i didn't, i kind of did not want this matchup, but it's here and so but it's also a great opportunity for the Cowboys um this it's an opportunity for the Cowboys to really. They have to show up on offense, man, and they have to show up on defense, uh, for sure on defense. But where I do think where we are more t- more more talented at, which is the quarterback position, and I think Dak Prescott is versus Jimmy Jimmy G is going to be the key for this game overall. And so, and it really mainly by saying like, hey, it's going to come down to the Cowboys' defense really. Shutting down their weapons when D. Samuel, the ultimate utility belt tool, uh, <laughs> running back, receiver, quarterback, <laughs> like, dude, the boy had a great, crazy season. They have a three headed monster in the backfield with, with Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeff Wilson. Uh, man, third one just flopped my head. But I mean, was, uh, well, oh, Trey, Sermon,
0: Trey Sermon just came off the IR. So, okay, so like, he'll I mean, be out. It, there. It okay, was, I don't know how much run he'll be, but he'll be out. There
1: any of those guys could break loose for a big one and their defense oh they also got brandon Ayuk as well and also cool. george, greg george kittle, george kittle <laughs> so yeah. so they are the only thing that i have question about is jimmy g when it comes to that offense um but their defense is still stout you know they still got nick bosa eric armstead on the front line fred warner in the at the second level with the linebackers uh they do have uh Two safeties who I believe are pretty good as well, and so when you come back down to this matchup, guys, and so we're gonna um, we're gonna get the uh, one cowboy, then a niner, and then another cowboy, and so I let one of the cowboys decide who wants to go first. But like when you come down to this matchup, like what are your keys? What are you looking forward to? Like what is
3: going to be the keys going into this game? Let's give it to Julian. Okay, <clears throat> I think for the Cowboys to win, the biggest thing is is you gotta have. You gotta have grown up okay. take the ham and basically make the him make the decisions to the game. I think that's the biggest problem we're gonna have because, as a Cowboys fan, I think the biggest thing we're gonna have to, where I'm gonna want to see is the defense stop that rushing. Because I think, as most people said, our rushing defense, I mean, it's not great, and we have somebody like <clears throat> Debo Samuel who literally saved my franchise, my fantasy draft this season, a fantasy this season. He is that triple threat in a sense he can go and do you sweeps he can go and do a screen or do a little bubble and go out and run outside the middle and go and just tear up defenses like that right and so with that i if the cowboys don't stop the 49ers in the running game they're going to air this ball out i think that they're going to do exactly what tennessee did i want to say two years ago when they were in the playoffs when they took the ball out of i want to say was it I forgot who they played. Lamar they, Lamar Jackson. There you go. They took it out of Lamar Jackson's hands and literally just ran the ball the entire game. That, yeah. that that can literally happen. And I think the Cowboys is gonna have is gonna have to step up to that. They're gonna have to watch those sweeps. They're gonna have to watch doing these uh, like play options. And if they don't, it's gonna be a long night. And I would say for the Cowboys to win, take it out of Debo's hands, take it out of those running backs' hands, and put it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And we see from time to time again. Besides against the Rams, because some reason this man looks amazing against the Rams, (laughs) you gotta let him make mistakes. And Jimmy can, but you just gotta let your defense, your front seven, stop the run. That's the biggest thing: stop the run. Go ahead, Terrell. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. This is not a. This is not going to be an exotic game from a game plan standpoint. Um, I don't ever think it really is exotic with Shanahan. We we have a saying in Niner fandom, we have a saying, uh, disrespectful Shanahan. Um, and that is that disrespectful Shanahan is kind of like, I know I'm not expected to, you know, call XYZ play, but I'm going to call it anyway, because I don't care what anybody thinks about how I call the game. So this is, it's not, that's not an exotic thing with him. That is how he is. A lot of teams get away from the run when they're down by a touchdown or two. Um, a lot of teams panic, um, coaches panic from a place calling standpoint. You're never going to get that with Shanahan. So what this is going to come down to is the is that basic bread and butter stuff. They're going to run the ball regardless. So it's going to come down to. What what do the Cowboys do to get out to that early league? If they know the run is coming and I'm sure they do, they're going to if they've got to commit somebody, you know, an extra guy in the box or whatever they have to do, because you got to understand with this with the 49ers, it's not that you're trying to stop a given player. You're trying to stop the game plan. You're trying to stop the run in general. Nobody in Dallas is sitting there going, man, what are we going to do about Elijah Mitchell? Nobody's doing that. They might say that when they do interview, you know, a coach might, you know, McCarthy might say that when he's going on ESPN or going on a local radio show and he does an interview. He might mention Elijah Mitchell, but I guarantee you nobody's shaking in their boots and you know in the in the, the linebacker room concerned about Elijah Mitchell. Not that they shouldn't be, but that's not what they're doing. They're gearing up to stop the run itself in general because they really don't know who's gonna be the guy. That's going to pop off a couple of big runs. So that is something that disrespectful Shanahan is going to have to come to the table with with is, which is we're dedicated to the run. It's going to get we're going to continue to run. If we get down 10 points, we're going to be running still. Yes, we are going to throw the ball when we need to, but realistically you can do not be surprised if you see. Run on first down. Run on second down. Okay, do we have a manageable third down? All right. Let's go ahead and put and put the ball in Jimmy's hands and let him make and let him get the ball to Debo. Let him get the ball to Kittle. Let him get the ball to Ayuk. Um, another guy that is gonna, that I think Dallas uh, defense is going to have to really not dedicate anybody to stop him, but they're going to have to account for him. Um, and that is going to be, um, uh, number 15. I apologize. Um, he's, this is what happens when you've been watching 49ers football and you literally got your brain saturated with it. Um, but they got a rookie, um, number 15 and I can't remember his name right now. Off the top of my head, but he had two touchdowns last week. Debo threw him one and Jimmy threw him one, which was actually the game time touchdown. Um, and, uh, I think his name Ron's is Jennings.
1: Jennings. Yeah. John's, Jennings. Yes. Yeah.
0: So Jennings is an interesting guy because Jennings is big receiver. I think he's like 6'4", almost 6'5". He's a better version of Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne went to play for uh, the the Patriots this past season, Mm -hmm. but he was in San Francisco before. And he's a better version of of Kendrick Bourne. A little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, not quite as fast. Um, but he's a third down guy. If you need a guy that can get you a third down catch, he's pretty much that guy. He's not a slot receiver. He's just a a tall guy. So if you need to throw it up to him, you can get it to him. They're going to have to account for him because he's kind of in a groove right now where he's carved out a spot in the offense. Um, Ayuk tends to get forgotten about, if you will, um, because he's sort of the third option from a receiving standpoint. Um... And that's arguable um, because right now he's more or less the second option because Kittle's actually not had his last three weeks. He's actually not been much of a factor from a standpoint of volume of catches um, and yardage. He's been there for big plays and blocking ability for the most part. He made a spectacular catch two weeks ago, a one handed grab over the middle when uh, Trey Lance started. Um, I don't think you guys are going to see any of of Trey Lance. So that wouldn't be something that I necessarily feel like Mm -hmm. Dallas would have to. They're going to game plan, I guess I should say, or they're going to at least have something to call if if he comes out there for a play or two. But I highly doubt you're going to have to worry about him more than three to five plays, if that. Um, He didn't play at all this past week against the Rams in a must-win game. So that should tell you. But I don't think you guys are going to have to literally like, OK, we got to make sure we got this offense ready our defense ready if he comes out. Um, Samuel uh, is interesting because he's it's less about stopping him. And it's more about knowing where he will be, because I don't think he's a guy that you're going to stop. He might get three catches in a game, but one of them is probably going to be for a touchdown. Yeah, he might run 10 times and give you a hundred yards and you might get a couple of splash plays out of him. He's if if somebody took Percy Harbin from Florida, y'all remember Percy Harbin. Mm-hmm. Best years was when he was with Minnesota. Minnesota. If somebody took Percy Harbin and upgraded him. <laughs> That is what you get out of Debo Samuel. If, if he needs to truck you, he's going to truck you. If he needs to jump over you, he's going to jump over you. If he needs to run around you, he's going to run around you. They're going to allow the offense to come to him. So it's less about stopping him and more about accounting for him. If you yeah. just know where he is on the field, you might be able to minimize his impact on the game. That's where a lot of teams get in trouble with Debo Samuel is they don't account for him as far as where he is. You got to know when he lines up in a certain spot, you have to know that what you may or may not get you watch taping on on that. So that's what that Dan Quinn is going to have to do his job on that situation, because that is how Debo gets you is that he'll line up somewhere and they'll draw up a play and you have no idea what the hell is about to happen because you've not seen it before. So that's going to be a big deal. Kittle I've heard a lot of stuff in regards to Kittle as far as like who would guard him. Would it be Michael Parsons in more of a coverage role with him? Because he obviously can do that. He's such a uh, he has such a wide range of talent as a defender. Um, But realistically, I think if they're smart, go ahead and, and use Parsons as primarily a pass rusher. Because if you're wanting to get to Jenny, if you're wanting to mess with Jimmy's head a little bit, possibly it's going to be getting after him with somebody that can get back there quickly and make him make quick decisions. Um, and you know, get a sack or two. That's your best shot with Jimmy. Because the problem with Jimmy is, is that as much as he makes mistakes, he's not making mistakes because he's razzled, he's frazzled and he doesn't know what to do. He's making mistakes because he's like, yeah, I can squeeze that in there. Yeah, I can, I can. throw that ball between them three defenders. That's his problem. <laughs> he thinks he can make any throw at any time, and so I, they're going to be smart and they're not going to throw the ball towards Digs. Um, they're going to put Digs <laughs> in positions to make tackles. So then, what you're what you're going to see is Digs in the open field against Debo. Diggs in the open field where oh, guess what? Kittle is there now. Um, Digs in the open field against Ayuk. Um I think that's probably his the guy that he's gonna match up best with because everybody else is sort of all over the place. Um so yeah it, it's really gonna come down to the basics. They're gonna run the ball. Um their goal is gonna be to keep that offense off the field. Um and then they're gonna rely on that defense. Um those are the two facets of the games that when you get to the playoffs, that's what you need to have. If you you have to run the ball and you have to play your defense. They have an ability to do all those things. They are going to have to keep Bosa off of, and I'm speaking of, of the offensive line, and I know they're kind of you know, mm-hmm. patchy, but they're going to have to keep Bosa off of that, and I'm not 100% sure they're going to be able to do that because even if you're double-teaming Bosa, you're going to open somebody else up, and they've got some guys on the interior of that defensive line that can cause a lot of uh, trouble for that. So I really do think the game is going to be relatively close. Um, And I think what it's going to come down to for whichever team wins, obviously I would hope it would be the Niners, but for whichever team wins, I think it's going to come down to grinding the ball down in the the fourth quarter and trying their best to, you know, somebody's going to be up by probably less than a touchdown and it's going to come down to grinding it down and, Holding on to the ball, and whoever got the ball last is going to win. And I think that's probably what it's going to end up coming down to. So, um, yeah, somebody's going to show up in that game for the winning team that nobody expects. Ooh. It's going to be somebody that nobody's counting.
3: Nobody assumes it's going to help.
0: Yeah. All right. Like, I mean, you know, it's funny because it's funny to say that because Zeke is a guy that you would think from name value. He's a guy that you wouldn't say that about, but realistically, he he's not been the explosive Zeke that we've seen for the last few years. No. So it would be really interesting to see him be the guy that for Dallas, if Dallas is going to win this game, I would I would not be shocked if he's the guy that pops off. If you don't get 120 yards and a couple touchdowns out of him, um, and maybe some utilization in the passing game, um, you know, or maybe a Jarwin. um, You know, I mean. It can be any number of guys, but like, you know, I think one team or the other, I, I do truly believe that it's going to come down to somebody that nobody's really expecting to do anything um, or at least not expecting them to take over the game and somebody going to end up taking that game over. So it is going to be a really good game. I actually feel like it's probably going to be um, – it, it has a chance to be the best game of a wild card
1: week. I really do think so. Good point. Okay. Daniel, go ahead. Yeah. Push your bow on this.
2: So for me, the major key um, when it comes down to the Cowboys is going to be the defense. Um, But kind of like Terrell was saying, though, the splash plays. And by that, I mean turnovers, uh, penalties, or like tackle for losses, loss of yardage. And the reason why I say that is, you know, the Cowboys have struggled all year in terms of stopping the run. And, of course, we know what the 49ers are going to do. They're going to run the ball, and they do it very well. So I think to have the expectation that the Cowboys are going to all of a sudden become like a stout run defense for the playoffs when they haven't been doing it the whole season is, you know, doesn't make any sense to me. So I think the best bet is going to be to try to do what we do best, which would either to be, you know, take the ball away or, you know, tackle for loss or something of that nature. Because by doing that, not only does it, you know, stop the run or stops the offense, but also fuels our offense, too. Uh, Because, you know, there's no guarantee their offense is going to be hitting on all cylinders and be able to move the ball at will. But we've seen in games when we do have short field turnovers, Mm -hmm. anything like that, the offense does just fine, you know, without having to go the full length of the field. So, really, for this game, it wouldn't surprise me if it was very close and it wouldn't surprise me if it was a blowout on either way. I can see this either being like another repeat of the Denver game to where our offense just sputters and then they just run it down our throats and it gets out of hand, you know, quick and fast, and that's all she wrote. And actually the other route to where maybe, you know, we do get those turnovers, you have short field. So at that point, you know, we score pretty quickly, get up maybe a score or so, and then they have to throw the ball. And at that point in time, that plays into what our defense does best. Our best players do two things. They rush the passer and they take the ball away. So the only way that's going to happen is if you know that they're going to pass the ball, they have to pass the ball more than they would like to. Uh, you know, throwing the fact that Jim Grapple also does have an injured thumb as well, they obviously don't want to be throwing the ball too, too much for this upcoming game. Um, so of course we're going to do the best we can to force them to do it. And they're best they can not to have to do that as well. But I think the biggest key is going to be, you know, can we find ways at key points during the game for our playmakers to step up and make that play that we need. So like Terrell was saying, when they do run, you know, those plays you don't expect or when Debo gets going, uh, cause it's going to happen. There's going to be big plays on both ends. There's going to be big runs, big passing plays for the 49ers as well. Are we going to be able to take advantage here or there to maybe get that that key turnover, that key stop, the key sack, that key tackle for loss that maybe derails a few of their drives and gets the ball back in our offensive hand, our offense's hands? Because I mean, if you think that us you know beating down the Eagles this past week means that we're back and we're good to go, no, it doesn't mean that. So really, we don't really know what to expect from our offense, but we know for our defense that we do have the ability to take the ball away. But we've also seen that when we don't get turnovers and we have to pay straight up defense it gets kind of murky there you know we've seen that before to where you know we're not really that type of old school throwback defense to where it's like no matter what we're just going to shut you down in all offenses of the of the all the game, game yeah. we need to have some type of splash play some type of negative play some type of turnover to kind of fuel our defense keep us in the game and at the same time of course you know fuel, fuel our offense as well yeah. so that's the big thing for me it's going to come down to is going to be the defense and getting these turnovers because uh, I just don't see us trying to get into this, you know, back and forth, try to grind it out uh, because our running game has struggled too, So I don't think we're going to be running too much on them. That'd be a, a big surprise to think to both teams if we get our running game going to, a, you know, that great of extent. <laughs> and then for the passing game, I think that's kind of just a big unknown too. you know, of course, we are going to try to get the ball out of Dak's hand, get him checked down. Um, won't be surprised if you see some more of those, you know, disguise coverages that gives Dex some issues that we saw. I'm sure they saw it as well. Um, so we'll see, you know, have we learned from our mistakes before Will we be able to be dynamic and adjust during the game, maybe before we get down by a few scores before, you know, we try to change things, a lot of unknowns going into it. Um, so again, that's what makes this season so great though, especially this playoffs, because we're a flawed team. They're a flawed team, but with the talent that we have, you know, I think we have the ability to overcome a lot of issues, but we've seen how the season played out that we don't always do that. So that opens up the door for a team like, you know, the, the 49ers, who are that hard nose grinded out team with a really good defense and also a really good running game too. So those are two throwback elements that for any football team would want to have. And that can, that gives you a, a puncher's chance in every single game. And the fact that we struggle with the run means they have more than the puncher's chance for this game too. <laughs> um, now, when it comes down to matchups for kind of what we were looking for, I think I just I, I just didn't want the Rams or the or Tampa Bay to start off, so I was fine with anybody <laughs> else. But out of the, the other options, I, I I really feel that if we got Arizona, that actually wouldn't have been a close game. I feel like that would have been a revenge game going forward. But yeah, yeah this is probably gonna be the tougher one, and I didn't figure we'd get Philly, you know, because of the well, especially
0: if you see what Seattle did to um, to Arizona, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that wasn't that wasn't just a, like a game they threw away. They were playing for something in that
1: game, and they got mm-hmm. smoked. So yeah, yeah. But- yeah, man. I, I wouldn't mean, be Jul- shocked to see
0: them Ju- see them
1: go out. <laughs> I mean, Julian's hot take was that the Cowboys were going to get ousted this round no matter what. So, Julian, do you, do you I, still feel the same? Is I it the same
3: unfortunately mother? still do. My hot take okay. still stands, Now, I'm going to explain why really quick. As as Terrell mentioned, and as Daniel kind of hinted at, I, my biggest issue is going to be, as I mentioned, you're going to try to put it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. But the problem is, is what's been happening the entire year, and thank you for bringing that up a little bit more, so I can flesh it out a little bit. Daniel was like, "What happened in the Denver game?" Kind of shows what happens when we're trying to play a game and trying to stop the run, and we're just getting ousted, like ousted by it, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't. And if I'm San Francisco, that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to put it in Jimmy's hands. I'm just going to let my I'm gonna air the ball out. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm gonna take the air out of the ball and just run it, put it down your throats, and see. If Disrespectful
0: it. Shanahan, right? right.
3: Mm-hmm. I will. I that's would do it, something like that. Right, yeah. If I was right. Shanahan, that's what I'm doing to y'all. Remember
0: that yeah. Minnesota game from the from the Super Bowl season when they went to the Super Bowl in 2019? Jimmy threw the ball 11 times. Not completed 11 <laughs> passes. He threw the ball
3: <laughs> the 11
0: times. times. Right. They and ran so, the ball 40-plus times in that game. They rushed so, for like almost 300 yards. 300 yards or something like that, if I remember. Yeah. And, like, I mean. and now, don't get me wrong. That, obviously, that's not the Cowboys. But my point is, you don't want to be in the position – Where the Niners feel like they can run the ball 45 times
1: exactly. Like you don't want to be in that position because if they
0: they get close to that number, that means they're having success. Right. Um, I think that's my
3: biggest issue with them. And that's why you you want to be in the 20s. I I, I think that the Cowboys, what they're gonna do, which is my issue, is that they're gonna have to have those big plays. Like Kellen Moore is gonna have to start Mm -hmm. doing more and more trick plays, and you're gonna have to see deck. And I'm I'm just saying, like if 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 going against stuff, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm explaining it right here. If the first drive for San Francisco, if they air that, I mean, if they take the air out of the ball and it's like seven minute drive, eight minute drive, mm. you're gonna see Kellen Moore going. All right, I need to, I need to pump it up. I need to start doing I'm trick plays. Playing. I need to have Dak, you know, try to hit a trick play on Cedric Wilson or you know try to hit a thirty yard bomb. Like you're gonna see that happen. And once that start happening, I'm gonna be like, damn. We already lost the game because the mentality is we gotta hurry up and get the ball out of our hands and start scoring so we can match with San Francisco. If the Cowboys can successfully stop them in the first on di- the first drive, I think it'll be a good game. It's gonna be a good mashup. But the tone of the defense is whatever happens in that first drive. And that's what my issue is gonna be. <laughs> Here's why
0: you shouldn't be too concerned about that, did you just talked about. Here's why. Because regardless of how long that first drive is let's just say they are able to reel off a six seven minute drive that first drive of the game But assuming they get the ball uh, first here's the thing you got to remember something about the Niners defense now they've gotten considerably healthier in the secondary literally in the last two weeks like all these guys with COVID or, or uh, IR they've got a bunch of guys back and so they are better almost seemingly overnight in that area but you got to remember something. Even at their healthiest, one of the areas where we struggle is the deep pass because what will happen is we, we got two rookies, first of all. I think one of them might not be playing, but I know we definitely have one rookie. He made the game-winning interception, interception. Um, yeah. Ambry Thomas. So the thing is you've got a, a couple of rookies back there. Um, you've got now the the, the safeties are fantastic, um, you know. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be a concern. They're both healthy and they'll be back there. But you've got rookies uh, at the corners, or you these got super young guys at the corners. So they are unfortunately notorious. We are notorious, unfortunately, for pass interference calls on those deep throws. So, hey, so what we, they'll man. do is, is once they realize <laughs> they're beat, once they realize they're beat. <laughs> they're like, nah, I'm not giving up this play. They'll grab, they'll, they'll choke, they'll, they'll wrestle, they'll do whatever they got to do because they don't want to, quote, give up that, that play. Um, I don't know if that's a philosophy or if that's just you know, the fact that they're young, but it happens at least three or four times every single game. So if that does occur, you get that long drive, and then Dallas says, "Nah, we got to come out and we got to draw up a, 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 a we got to draw up a long pass." That is probably not a horrible thing because, again, that is an area where the Niners secondary lacks some discipline. Is that they have a tendency to commit uh, uh, PIs when they get deep passes, you know, thrown especially to those young guys. So it's like they get beat and then they they commit the penalty. So that is an area where they can be had in the secondary. The only issue there though is, is that you've gotta give Dak time to let that play develop in a lot of cases. Yeah. And the question is gonna be whether or not they can get to him before that opens up. Decisions. So right. yeah, so I wouldn't be too horribly concerned with that because that is an area where if you can get a long pass out there with CD or one of them, you can very likely get at least a couple PI calls. And as long as you get them at good moments, that can change the game because I've seen I don't know how many times where I've thought, oh, they, the defense is getting off the field. Flag pops up. It happens every game. So they, they they probably have seen that in Dallas, and they probably realize that that is an area where they might be able to get some cheap yardage whether or not they complete the pass or not.
1: Yeah. It's with This has to be um, for the Cowboys. They have to play – they have to realize they're only playing one opponent. And that is the 49ers. They need to forget right. about the refs. That's one. Yeah. They also need to, Yeah, they also need to realize this has to be the most sound game that they need to play, they have ever played sense? this season. Only because so here's my thing: like if the 49ers go, if they do the ball first and they play, get a seven-minute, eight-yard drive, eight-minute drive, if that happens, we don't have to open the playbook. <laughs> we just have to stay within our season. Like you to realize what, that it's yeah. not gonna be a 51-point yeah. game, is that is that's, it. that's so it. So, like it's like Don't it may it may be that grind out game, that old school grind out game. It may just right. be that, or it may be a 35-28-point game, but it it may, but I feel like it's gonna be a grind out game. And the Cowboys, they have more ta- like and it's true right now, they have more talent than the San Francisco 49ers on both sure. sides of the ball. And so if they play sound football, realize they only play one opponent, and that's the team wearing red and gold or whatever color the uniforms they're going to wear, whatever they're going to wear is that other team wearing the 49ers' red San Francisco album on their helmet. That's their own opponent. If they take out that one opponent and just play sound football on both sides of the field, play within their playbook, play within the parameters of the game, don't get too crazy, don't get too – don't get nervous in the game, don't get. let don't the game – Yeah, this be, be calm because like Terrell said to himself, like, hey – they're okay at the back end, but they're not the best. <laughs> so they have their yeah. their tendons. It, yeah. And we have three weapons to go. Uh, three weapons, three receivers. So you know, we got CD Amari and uh, Cedric Wilson. If you want to throw in Doctor Schultz in there, that's four. And so then we we could threaten their secondary. But where uh-huh. it come in the offensive line has to play very sound, blocking assignments. They got to try to take away Nick Bosa, but if they take away Nick Bosa, they got st- still focused on the interior, of the l- offensive line, where we know I have worries for it as far as Connor Williams and Tyler, and Tyler Biadish. I'm okay. I'm I feel very good about Zach, but I'm concerned <laughs> <laughs> with the with Tyler and Connor because if they go up against Eric Armstead, it's like hey, um, Connor, if you're going, you may have to go one on one against Eric Armstead because t- uh, Tyron has to take out the other defensive end by like he has to take care of that defensive end. And so, if they decide to blitz Fred Warner in, like you can kind of say that Zeke can take care of Fred Warner on a pass in sections, But hey, well, you could, yeah. like it'll be a good, that's a good battle though. But that's, 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 a good, that's a good battle though. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some good yeah. battles here that you could see players going one on one with and be okay with it. But where the one player where I don't feel comfortable going one on one with is Connor Williams and Eric Armstead. That's where I yeah. have fear like, hey, because Eric Armstead, he's a long, strong dude. And if like he doesn't get Six to the seven, quarterback, man. yeah, he's going to put his hands up and affect the ball passing game that way. And so uh, this game is very, is very. I'm very excited for this game. I I didn't want this matchup, but again, I'm very excited for it. I, so there is there is technically two teams I did not want to see in the playoffs. One team I knew. Yeah, We're going to see which was the Green Bay Packers. I couldn't even count I, that we'll eventually see. Yet. So I didn't even count them as a team I did not want to see. The teams I did not want to see were like Daniel, the Rams, and the 49ers. <laughs> so it's like if you could avoid these two teams because I feel like they expose us the most, they have the most, they're the most likely to expose us as far as offensively and defensively. Um, I think it's, it, but I, hey, it's here. It's, 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 we're here. What we're here for And so it's going to be in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I wish it, I think it should have been the primetime game, the Sunday night game, not the Sunday <laughs> yeah. afternoon game. It's got because, that, it's got those kind of chops. Yeah, yeah, it's all right, but it's all right that they did it the way they did. But it's going to be like, they, i agree. It may be, I think Terrell has said it, it's probably going to be the best wildcard game this season. I think season. so. Yeah. And so, and there's a very good card matchups coming forward, but this may be the best one this week and so it's it's going to be very interesting y'all so go ahead
0: if if i have to throw in my two cents about who i think might be the unforeseen person to make a a massive impact on this game watch out for dj jones he's next to eric armstead and nobody ever says his name because the guy just goes about his business and does his thing but he's the other defensive tackle next to eric armstead armstead and that dude can play Um, he's the complete antithesis to Eric Armstead. He's like six foot tall at 300 pounds. And the dude just is a tree stump. He just, he just takes on, he takes on two blockers and opens things up. So that's the guy you're probably going to want to keep an eye on. If I had to come up with somebody that a name that we don't talk about, even in San Francisco, really, I mean, he's kind of taken for granted, but keep an eye out for him because he's the kind of guy that he can disrupt things. And even if he doesn't get sacks, he can open up. He, he can literally he, – he you can't block him with one guy. Or, I, or Dallas can't block him with one guy. I'll put it to you like that. Um, I mean, hell, the Rams couldn't block him with one guy. So, you know, Dallas definitely can't block him with one guy. So that's going to be a dude that's going to be a problem. Um, so they're going to have to draw up plays in Dallas where – the ball's coming out high, quick, and loosen up, you know, the, get to the point where those linebackers have to step up and make plays against those uh, the tight ends. Tight ends yep. And then you start opening stuff up in the middle. And then maybe, you know, that's, that's where the game could break open if you're Dallas. Where it could break open if you're San Francisco is if they are actually successful and chunk plays running the ball six, seven yards a pop Mm-hmm. and you then have to start putting Micah Parsons in a position where he can't just rush the quarterback, because let's be realistic. He's, in my opinion, most dangerous when you allow him to just basically go basically. at the quarterback. Right. right. So yeah. if he's got to step back, which he can do, because that's the, the wonderful part about him as a rookie, is that if you need him to play the run, if you need him to rush the quarterback, if you need him to – Um, Chase, uh, you know, the other team, uh, a top-notch tight end around, he can do all three things. So if they put him in a traditional linebacker position where he's got to now start making tackles on the run game because they're doing it and they're doing it successfully, and you put him in a position where now Jimmy's got got a chance to go back there and make decisions and not have to worry about You know, I mean, I know they have other guys, but realistically, the most dangerous dude to me is Michael Parsons when it comes to rushing a quarterback, because you're going to have Trent Williams is going to be back. He didn't even play against the Rams, which is why I'm so shocked that they won that game because he didn't even play against the Rams. So Mm -hmm. you got Trent Williams back there. So if you've got anybody coming off that corner, Trent knows what to do. But at the same time, if you turn Michael Parsons into a, quote, linebacker, then you've got a situation where Jimmy's got a little bit of time to go back there, and maybe he doesn't have to make those risky throws. He's just making, you know, the the, the quick throws that um,
1: game management.
0: My bad. The quick throws. Yeah, he's making. I mean, that's what that that is what he does. Um, quick throws. Um, you know, pitching it, uh, setting up. You know, guys to make plays after the run. That's the that's the. San Francisco is one of the best yak teams in the NFL, period. That is what they rely on. It is an extension of the running game. It's very much like the old West Coast offense. Um, and that's not a shock because his dad, Shanahan's dad, was one of the authors of that. He was one of those West Coast offense, you know, and then you got the the zone running schemes. Like, that's what they've always done. That's why he does it. That's why his dad did it. That's where he came from. That's the lineage. So, you know, that's gonna be an area where I feel like they have to make Micah Parsons a regular linebacker, a great regular linebacker, but they have to make him a guy that has to just be back there making tackles. Making they, tackles, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a necessary thing because I feel like if he lines up anywhere, I don't think he will line up where Trent is. I think he'll probably line up on the other side of the line where they have some vulnerability. And then it's going to be a situation where you're just basically hoping that he doesn't get to Jimmy. So.
1: (laughs) Hoping, hoping and praying.
2: Daniel, anything else you want to add (laughs) on to it? (laughs) No, no, I'm good. All right, fellas.
1: Well, hey, man, this was a. You, Terrell, you may have to make some more guest spots for just for the grill part man like <laughs> hey man just let me know just
0: let me know you know I, I always like to get my
1: reps in so let me know <laughs> yeah i know uh dr still ain't back so i will say i know he's been slacking on his podcast so if you ever <laughs> if you ever get bored man hopefully we got four more weeks to go on ours yeah. so, <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> 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 hopefully we got four more weeks to go and then we'll we'll rock it out uh Fellas, man, as always, definitely do enjoy, especially this one. Terrell definitely did love having you here on the show. Go ahead and plug it up if you need to, sir. Hey, man, um, at Terrell Huff on the Twitter.
0: Um, We're done with the radio show, so, um, you know, we, we go ahead and step aside on that. Um, probably got some stuff that's going to be happening here in a couple of weeks uh, with a buddy of mine who's got like a production studio type thing. Um, I'm going to be getting you all some details on that because that might actually be something we all can uh, benefit from because he does the whole production aspect thing. So he kind of does a YouTube thing, but then podcast thing. So it's kind of like a Joe Rogan experience type of setup he has mm-hmm. where it's a roundtable thing. So I'm going to get some more details on that. Cause that could be something that we could benefit from. Um, so I'm probably going to be doing something with that here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's called bod pod um, buddy of mine named Guylin. I've mentioned him before to Derek, um, but it's called bod pod and he's got it up and running now. So, should be a really interesting thing. So once I get some more details, I'll let y'all know.
3: Cool, Julian, plug it up, sir. All right. Well, always it's been a pleasure, guys. Um, you can always find me um, on Instagram and Twitter at King Julian Owens. You can also listen to the King Julian podcast. Surprisingly enough, I didn't think we we're going to come back so quick, but we're going to come <laughs> back. Um, we're going to do the vintage film series again with both my cousin and my brother. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to tell you all just yet, but. Everybody pre-pod knows, like, it's what's Toriel's wearing on his shirt right now. I won't give that up just yet. But, yeah, be on the lookout for that. It's going to come out. Swear to me. <laughs> 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 there, there, there it is.
1: There, there it is. There. There. know what that is.
3: <laughs> But um, you guys can find me there. And from um, everywhere else. Yeah, thank you now <laughs> so y'all, know, y'all know the stuff <laughs> y'all know <it>.
2: yeah. <laughs> all right y'all the same as always you can also catch me on um, speaking for sport with most of you guys over here dr lewis not the third baby and of course there's been poppy himself terrell huff and then sometimes keep Julian as well and then sometimes cherry blanco will be on there sometimes too baby so <laughs> hey speaking for sport a minute we take you know what it is man until next time love y'all
1: dr are you back with us you want to plug anything
4: i am of course your most excellent wait i'm i sorry.
1: No, uh, no. You passed uh, your uh, intro, sir. Pass your intro. <laughs> oh, oh, you got your outro um, now. Outro. Oh, outro. Outro. Uh, sure. I, I think.
4: Goodbye. I think. <laughs> I believe in that so much as a memory. No, um. <laughs> Daniel uh, took all the all the all the plugs. Uh, so I'm yeah, just, I did. So I'm just out here, you know, as usual, floating yeah, around like a fool, being a producer that's not good at his job in pretty much any aspect right now. Anyway, like I said, two things. Talk about the Raiders. Talk about myself being terrible at this. I accomplished those goals. I'm now out of here. Goodbye. All well right, done, well that done. was DR's worst plug of all time. <laughs> My god, oh, yeah. like you well, get no points, <laughs> yeah. I do, I am awarded no points, but I forgot we are on hiatus for speaking for sport. Uh, there we go. The, the, the only thing, how are we gonna get rich? We're gonna get rich by getting back together, grouping up, figuring this thing out, and putting out episodes consistently as oh, opposed okay. to what we were doing to end the year last year. <laughs>
0: Um you've merely adopted the darkness. I would born as, as oh, Terrell Lord. continues to to
4: ruin King Julian surprise uh, rollout he hey, I, and I was gonna I, I was gonna make a joke that I was gonna put the video clip of this so that they could see Terrell's shirt so it would be obvious and then Terrell just went ahead and spoiled it all on his own without me doing that um, And so yeah the only the only thing about it is is speaking for sport gonna come back for the Super Bowl special or we're we gonna come back before then but you know for most of January we're gonna get right get back at it in february and see w- see where we go from there and so yeah listen to all the stuff that ed and daniel just plugged and uh, i'm gonna go away now <laughs> uh, i haven't plugged yet sir so here's my plugs
1: don't forget to listen to h-, h is for hell where zip brings all to you the finest houston sports uh right now just, he's probably just focused on the rockets pretty much uh um, but anyway so. yeah but <laughs> so um if yes, she would baby <laughs> In which. Trey, mm-hmm. Trey Trey Blanc- <laughs> this is your boy AY. The Texans Blanc- haven't fired
2: their clothes yet. Oh, all the coach been there. The Texans, that one year, yeah. One year, uh, man. he has been there one, one year. year. Yeah, one nice. year. Hey, Forrest, hey. Come on down. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, nah, but he wa- but he want to keep the Sean That's probably why they wouldn't hire him. Though. <laughs> 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 oh, <no.
3: laughs> all right,
2: right guys. You,
1: <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey, <laughs> it. we got like an hour forty five minute show, y'all. So we're closing. It. Fifteen more minutes, bro. <laughs> right, got, let's get two more. Like my, too. my wife is getting the signal to wrap up. So <laughs> 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 hey, <laughs> hey, by the way, if I didn't ruin, uh, if I didn't ruin
0: Julian's show, no one cared who I was
2: until I put off. Just to triple down to make sure that <laughs> <laughs>
4: make sure, <laughs> there's
3: man, no guys.
2: mistake.
4: Never, never let head close <laughs> sure. his pod. Keep it going. It's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: does not run our <laughs> podcast. Ed <laughs> White. A.K. and Trey Ricardo, Free. Where We break down the X's and O's of Cowboys football and spoil other people's shows. As always, y'all, be blessed, be peace, be love. We out. I am Ed White.
4: Peace.